The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. There's one thing in closing that we have in common is neither of us will be the nominee for our party in 2024. The data is the data. Nobody was trying to kill us when Trump was president in a way that they're not now. If anything, there's more hostility. And you can have reasons for that any way you want. I'm just saying existentially. I'm not afraid of a Trump presidency. The Bronx is the bluest of New York City's boroughs and the only borough with the Hispanic majority. President Biden got 83 percent of the vote here in 2020. But now the Biden campaign is seeing polls coming out saying President Trump is gaining traction with voters of color. You think that President Biden is doing a good job with the economy? No, he's not doing nothing. Yeah, I don't even know. Is he doing a good job? Yes or no? I can see we're all going to be the streets homeless. Biden and his press secretary said that prices are going down. Is that your experience or is that not true? No, that is definitely not true. Prices are definitely going up. Minority communities, we're not seeing the improvement. It's, it's just a complete mess. It's a disaster. Do you think that somebody else besides Biden should be president? Yes, Next of course. Time. Of course. Uh, bring back Trump. <laughs> Tell me why. Um, we want, oh, we want, we have money. We have money when Trump was president. Free my son Trump. Free my son Trump. Trump 2024, everybody. Trump 2022. That's crazy. And we're here here in the Bronx. I'm gonna vote for Trump if he runs. Because I feel like it was much better when he was here financially for everybody. Not just me, for everybody. I'm definitely voting for Donald Trump. He made sure we had money in our pockets. He was for the people. He made sure we had what we needed. I feel like everything will go back to how it was. I mean, ever since he's been out of office, everything's declined. When Trump was president, my life was good. Economical wise, I was doing so much better. They're saying it's going to be Biden Trump. So who will you vote for? Oh, I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna have to go for Trump. Sorry. I'm gonna go for Trump. 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 Always Trump. Trump. Let me see. Who are you voting for? Trump. Feeling the pain of price hikes is one thing, but the show of open support for former President Donald J. Trump on the streets of the Bronx was very surprising. So how are you going to win a lot of these people that are within this diner? Well, I think last night showed uh, I'm the only guy running that's got a wet record of winning and winning big for conservatives. Yes, winning elections big. We need to win. We haven't won a lot of elections. But then delivering on all these promises. I deliver on 100% of my promises. The message is Donald Trump didn't deliver. Well, look, he had four years, obviously. Um, we don't have a border wall. We don't have a drain swamp. Uh, Hillary, he let her off the hook. And then we had a massive explosion of the debt. That's just the reality. I don't know how it would be better as a lame duck president, even if he could get elected. Uh, I have an ability to go in there, win a strong victory, serve two terms, and deliver on all these things. you got to win these big fights. That's what I've proven to do. And then you got to lead with a vision that's going to bring people together. Most people want another alternative. All right, I'm going to do a show of hands, because you just heard from Ron DeSantis. Who thinks DeSantis is going to be the nominee for the Republican Party? Raise your hands. Who thinks Nikki Haley is going to be the nominee? Who thinks Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be the nominee? Who thinks Donald Trump is going to be the nominee? Okay. 
That's why we go to these diners, because you get the pulse of the country. I'm not even sure the guys holding the DeSantis signs raised their hands for DeSantis. You you get the pulse of the country. That's a diner somewhere in Georgia. DeSantis has his big uh, his big debate last night with Gavin Newsom of California. And Newsom, as you heard there at the beginning of the cold open, says, hey, one thing we have in common, neither one of us are going to be the nominees for our party. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on this final show of the work week. It's hard to believe we're into the month of December now. The, the year, the calendar year is rapidly coming to a close. Just one more month before we get to the end of the year mega montage. As I was saying on yesterday's show, you can get to this live stream of this show every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. Just go to TrumpetDaily.com or to Rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily, and you can uh, you can watch it over at the Rumble channel as well. So lots to get to on uh, today's show. President Trump, he's uh, he's polling in one case he's polling at 68 percent, and uh, everybody else is in single digits, including Ron DeSantis. Single digits. He's down to nine, and yet <laughs> I guess we just. You even have to wonder, I mean, good for Lawrence, I think his name is, to conduct the the spur-of-the-moment survey there in the diner. But you even have to wonder if some of that was staged. You know, these people holding the DeSantis sign, and then nobody really says, uh, yeah, I think he's going to win it. I think uh, he has a good chance. They cheer when Donald Trump is brought up. Where are... The leaders in Congress just getting behind this popular support for Donald Trump. Four times invi- indicted. They, they want to send him to jail for hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet the people, I mean, they're not, they're not phased by it. But you look at, you look at the swamp. I mean, today they, they finally come to bipartisan agreement to expel George Santos? I mean, he's, he's a fraud, but it's George Santos that finally brings the House together in unity as if he's the only fraud? The Republicans, just think of it, they're reaching across the aisle to participate, well, to punish someone who's a fraud who happens to be a Republican as well can't do it. There are actually sitting members in Congress that have literally slept with Chinese spies, and they're okay. No bipartisan coming together to expel spies or congressmen that have been compromised. George Santos, because of Lying on his resume? I don't know what else he did. I don't even read about that guy. And if he's a fraud, he should be expelled. I'm not arguing that. But last time I checked, there's someone in the Oval Office that's completely, completely composed this fraudulent resume. And it's gone on for decades. We've played you the clips. We've brought the receipts. And he carries on. Spies, they continue. Yeah, yeah, lining your pockets from China, Ukraine, or whatever. No problem. 
But George Santos, now George Santos lied. That crosses a line. Are they ever going to get to Adam Schiff? It's a joke. It's a joke. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's on with Tucker, talking about just the, the lack of courage in, uh, in Congress. Listen to this, clip eight. So you sort of wonder, like, how long can this continue? You have one party that's destroying the country at high speed and another party that's helping them do it. Mm-hmm. And then the majority of the population, to one degree or another, is not on board with this. Right. So that sounds like pre-revolutionary to me. Like, that can't continue forever, can it? It should. The American people should not tolerate it. No, they seriously should not tolerate it at all. Because here's Washington, D.C. So here's our government. We're over $33 trillion in debt. Our government must hate us, must truly hate the American people to do that to Americans. Our border is wide open. That's not just Joe Biden, everybody. That is the Democrat Party. Yes. Every single one of them are solidly on board with that. We have crime erupting all over the country. Innocent people are dying every day because the crime is so, so bad. And the economy is being driven off a cliff with the Green New Deal. It's the biggest thing looming in policy. And it's already in place. It's just at the start. No one has suffered the consequences yet. Here's why I hate Republicans right now. They don't do a thing to stop it, Tucker. They campaign on it every single cycle. They talk about it. They go on the news and say all these wonderful sounding things to their voters and their donors. They do their committee hearing five-minute clips and post it all over social media. And then they send red meat fundraising emails. And no one does a thing to stop the agenda that is literally killing Americans, killing Americans every day. They campaign on it all the time. But then when it comes down to actually doing something, they fail. They, they cower in fear. They'll only join the Democrats when it's to get one of their own. George Santos, he, he embarrassed them, so let's get rid of him. And now, we could hey, we could say we've worked together with Democrats. It reminds me of this scene, a movie years ago, uh, with William Wallace. He goes up to this Bruce, this noble, this elite, and he says, look, the, you've got the popular support. The people, so, and Robert the Bruce says, you know what, you know what, there's a lot at stake here. All these nobles, they're landowners. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to tread softly. And while, and I know it's just Hollywood, and, and I think last time I checked, the movie wasn't even, wasn't even loosely based on actual history. But the scene, though, the scene where Wallace is saying, look, you've got the support. The people will support you if you act with courage. I'll support you. But the, the leaders were weak in that Hollywood film, just like what you see in Washington today. Weakness, cowardice. <laughs> the, you've got the diner. You've got everyone in the diner supporting you and the MAGA movement. You've got Bronx blue. There is no bluer borough in New York City than the Bronx. You just heard what they had to say. <laughs> Bring back my man Trump. Bring him back. We had money then, the economy was better. That's astounding. The level of, of cowardice, the lack of courage. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she says, you know, I've brought forth articles of impeachment for 
Chris Ray, all these abuses at the FBI, and Merrick Garland, and, and uh, Mayorkas with the border disaster. And it gets shot down by not just Democrats, it gets shot down by Republicans as well. They can't bring themselves to impeach these criminals. This is clip nine. Oh, I introduced articles of impeachment on Christopher Ray, Merrick Garland, Matthew Graves, the son of that attacks these January 6th defendants day in and day out, who is horrible, doesn't doesn't prosecute crime in D.C. as a U.S. attorney. He has a jurisdiction to do both. Doesn't do crime in D.C., only does J6ers. Um, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, I forced that to the floor recently. Eight Republicans voted with the Democrats to protect them. Three of them were chairman of of powerful committees, and Joe Biden multiple times. But Republicans don't have the courage or the guts or maybe the maybe they don't want to to impeach any of these they, they clearly We played the clip yesterday. The Bidens, they asked Nancy Mace, you know, how, how much money have the Biden, fam, the Biden family collected from China and elsewhere? Well, it's north of $50 million. Taking money from American adversaries, sleeping with Chinese spies. No slap on the wrist even for those things. But, but George Santos now, they finally got him. How long has he been in Congress? Maybe a year? A year or two? George Santos? A low-level George Santos? A nobody? They finally act with bipartisan courage the way they, they, they see it, I'm sure. What's the prophecy say, 2 Kings 14? That for Jeroboam, besides the widespread populist support, there's no helper. There's no helper in D.C. Well, God's going to end up giving a fair bit of help in the end. My father wrote, this is in the Ready for War issue, the January edition. I talked about this some yesterday. But it says here, I do believe that things uh, going this way is a blessing for Republicans. I believe all these losses he's talking about. I believe that rather than giving them big victories, God is waking them up to the fact that the machines are corrupted and, of course, other things, too. Something will have to jolt them to see reality. This is a war. They have to see that this is a war. It's been going on for decades, as Tucker said in that clip I played yesterday. They knew they were triggering a revolution decades ago when they were taking over uh, uh, the academy or academia, Hollywood, popular culture, the swamp, D.C. And it's only, as Tucker said, it's only just now or around this time that, that some on the other side are beginning to see, hey, we're under attack. We're being attacked from within. It says, there is a war for control of America. That war is going on right now. It's a, it's a, a fight for the control. And as my father has said, these communist left, you know, anti-American forces, they will do anything they can to hold on to their positions of power. Verse 28 of the prophecy in 2 Kings 14 says, this is from my father's piece, he's quoting from 2 Kings, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, and his might, uh, how he warred 
and how he recovered Damascus. So my father says Jeroboam had to war. In order to return to power, Mr. Trump is going to have to war. There are very few people warring with him today. But I don't care how much his enemies hate him. Prophecy says Trump will return. He's got the popular support. And then we played the clip yesterday, too, from Victor Davis Hanson, who said the reason they're, they're in a full-fledged panic mode, the communist left, is because they know Trump's onto them. And he's going to come back a whole lot smarter knowing about who's been loyal and, and who are disloyal traitors trying to destroy the country. It says, after all the terrible attacks on this man, speaking of Trump, over the past six years, it is remarkable that he has the stamina and determination and fight to keep doing battle for this country. He is a man ready for war. <laughs> and my father says, watch, watch that man. That was almost a year ago. And we've gone through all of these endless cycles where the talking heads, the regime media, they'll get up and say, yeah, Trump, he's finished. And then Lawrence goes to the diner. Uh, who's voting for DeSantis? Who thinks DeSantis is going to win? Who? What about Haley? What about Haley? And then Trump and everyone starts cheering. Even in Bronx blue, the bluest of blue boroughs surrounding New York City, they're out there calling for Donald John Trump's return to the White House. <laughs> There's a piece at the American Thinker about, well, some of the testimony yesterday, Matt Taibbi and uh, Michael Schellenberger. It says here, two honest men who worked on the Twitter files exposing how the government collaborated with Twitter to affect the 2020 election. Again, just to put this together with my father, what my father says in that Ready for War article, how that uh, the losses, the election steal and some of the losses for conservatives thereafter, how, how really it's a good thing because so much of this criminality is being exposed. The real criminals, far worse than George Santos, believe me, the, the criminals are being exposed. It says here, what they said, their testimony yesterday that is, should terrify you. It says, beginning in January 2017, under then-President Obama's direction, the government instituted a social media manipulation system intended to game the 2020 election through censorship and controlled information. I mean, this is war. Antiochus certainly knows this. The dear leader, I mean, he knows. He knows. He had all the mechanisms in place to attack Donald Trump. The moment he stepped into office, January 20th, 2017, and he's putting in place all of these, these social media objectives to make sure that the truth could be suppressed or blotted out to set the stage for the election steal in 2020. They stole it in more ways than one. They had, they had everything working. You got the mail-in ballots. You got the machine glitches. You've got the mules. You've got the covering up Hunter's laptop. And then you've got the government. The government censoring, censoring the message from the political opposition. It says here it was unconstitutional, but it worked. And now, using the vehicle of the corrupt criminal action against Trump, the government is bypassing, manipulating information, and is planning to target ordinary Americans. This is uh, 
This is in response to, to that story we told you about yesterday with uh, the DOJ, with Jack Smith going after not just Trump, but anyone that would even like a post put up by Trump, going after MAGA, basically. They see him as neo-fascists. They see him as uh, white supremacists. They see him as uh, domestic terrorists. They've said so. It's not like they're hiding their true intent. They, they say it, but then they're using, they're using these government agencies to persecute. And then Marjorie Taylor, she, she tries to put forward legislation to impeach one of these criminals. Can't, can't get enough Republican support. No, no, that's reserved for George Santos. It says, now that you know how the government, acting under Obama's instructions, he's the dear leader, he's the puppet master. Some have said when they all went off to um, the late first lady, Mrs. Uh, Carter's funeral, everyone went except Obama. I mean, Michelle went, but not Barack Obama. He had to stay back and run the government, you see. <laughs> he's, the actual, he's the actual president. 15-year rule, four years of shadow government, but 15 years of fundamental transformation. Well, look at what he was doing in 2017, preparing for the pandemic attack, preparing for the mail-in ballots, on ma- just all over the place, hundreds of millions, or tens of millions at least, especially in those swing states, getting Fauci and company ready. Oh, yes, all of it factored in. Setting up the spy, the spying apparatus to go after all things Trump. He did that right before he left office as well. And then here he is as well, setting up these, uh, these social media enterprises, the big tech, making sure that he could control, even when out of office, making sure that he could control the flow of information. It says, in every legal, let me just back up, it says, manipulated social media to destroy Donald Trump's presidency and and game the 2020 election. You need to know that in 2024, the deep state will have upped its game. This time around, the deep state aren't just doing a global campaign to control the flow of information on social media. Instead, using discovery in the federal criminal litigation against Donald Trump, Jack Smith has gathered information for their use that's specifically about you. And, and there's some have said, well, it's, it's just so much information. I mean, how could anyone in government sift through this? But they're using technology, artificial intelligence and such in a, in a way that, again, benefits them politically and hurts the opposition and persecutes the opposition. Listen to this from uh, Dan Bongino's show yesterday, clip three. We've been under pressure for a really long time to just toe the liberal line on talking points. Don't talk about the 2020 election. You know, don't talk about voter fraud. What else? Don't talk about COVID and masks or or X will happen. These people are really looking to destroy the free speech platform he's trying to develop over there. I get there are some hiccups and hangups, but they're really doing their best to destroy it. Remember, what they can't control is the enemy. And that's a fact. And this is why Elon Musk has become such a, such a massive target in their eyes, because they can't control him. We know about Donald Trump. They can't control him. But Musk, I mean, he, he keeps moving up the ladder near Trump because he's, 
he's making a stand for free speech. Sundance over at Conservative Treehouse, he delved into the subject of Jack Smith, his search warrant, and going after, you know, the, all this metadata collecting, they're collecting on Trump supporters. He says here, the U.S. government requested and received the metadata for accounts connected to and in alignment with President Donald John Trump. And, and of course, we, we, we know, we've known this is going on, just collecting data on ordinary American citizens. But here, like everything else in Obama's deep state, it's so politicized, it's weaponized. It says here, that's billions and billions of data points on millions of American citizens, their locations, their devices, their, their IP addresses, and ultimately their real identities and connected activity as attributed to and connected with their connected social media accounts. It says here, essentially, turning Donald J. Trump into a center of surveillance virus. Here again, it flows right out of the spirit of Spygate from 2017. All those FISA warrants just to go after Trump tap his phone lines, all those things. Now they're getting into the metadata so they can spy on you if you show any kind of support for Trump and then use it against you. He says here, pay very, this is Sundance, pay very close attention to the two underlying words in the following paragraph. He quotes from DHS. It says, DHS will not use AI to improperly profile, he underlines improperly, to improperly profile, target, or to discriminate against any individual or entity based on the individual characteristics identified above as reprisal or solely because of exercising their constitutional rights. It says further, DHS will not use AI technology to enable improper, here it is again, systematic, indiscriminate, and large-scale monitoring, surveillance, or tracking of individuals. Leave it to Sundance to catch, to catch this this little detail that's so significant, he says, take out the word improper, and the admission is that DHS uses AI to profile, target, and discriminate. They just do it in a proper way, you see. They don't do anything improper. They, they use these tools. They use these powerful tools to properly go after you. It says here in the second sentence, DHS currently participates in systematic, indiscriminate, and or large-scale monitoring, surveillance, or tracking of individuals. They just, they just do it properly, you know. The only thing those sentences is in the paragraph say is that DHS will not allow AI to create improper outcomes within the system they outline that already exists. This there, all of these powerful surveillance tools, and yet, going back to what my father has said, God has allowed some of these setbacks, and in the end, it's actually going to benefit Donald Trump's cause. It's exposing so much more evil, and he does have. There are a lot of things that are quite different now than they were just a few short years ago when the deep state, Obama's deep state, was using Twitter and other social media platforms as well to blot out the truth, to censor the truth. And that's been exposed in the Twitter files and exposed further in the testimony of those two individuals yesterday. 
listen to, uh, this is the Babylon Bee, the satire site. Seth Dillon, the guy that runs that site, he's commenting on the, the stand that Elon Musk is taking against these, these powerful forces of intimidation that want to force him to comply, clip number one. I don't think people realize how profound it is to see somebody literally stand up and say, I don't care. I don't care. You can try to bully me into silence and submission. You can try to force me to do what you want by holding money over my head. Money and power don't influence me. I'm going to stand for free speech no matter what. Um, we need to cherish Elon Musk because he's the foremost defender of freedom right now uh, in our country. And he, like Tucker and like a few others, Victor Davis Hanson is saying, look, the only way to stand against this is to fight back, to show some, some courage. I mean, look at, look at, I mentioned the, the, the popularity, the widespread support for Donald Trump, but then you add to that all of these attacks coming from the, the communist left, the radical left that have just been backfiring, and it seems like they're backfiring sooner and sooner each time. You would think there would be some Republicans in Congress that would draw strength from this and say, look, we, we can fight. We can impeach. We can indict. We can do some of the things that they've done to us. They go after George Santos. But then all of these other criminals, these traitors, well, they're still, they're still sitting members of Congress. Speaking of the, the radical left and its attacks backfiring again listen to dan bongino from yesterday clip four absolutely everything the democrats right now are doing is backfiring everything indicting donald trump his numbers go up their energy policy it's dumping a load of trash on top of their heads their inflation policy getting worse the bond market auction i talked about yesterday getting worse the immigration crisis getting worse there is nothing they're doing right now nothing that's working nothing's working and even the fact that Biden is still in there and we're 11 months away, there, there was a piece at the American Thinker, no, the Washington Examiner, just talking about how the Democrats are between a rock and a hard place. I mean, look at, I mean, look at Kingmaker Obama back in 2016, just shoving aside uh, Joe Biden, saying, no, no, he's not competent enough to run for president. You step aside. Uh, Hillary is the anointed one. And then Bernie Sanders for a time got in the way of that. And so then they cheated to make sure, hey, the dear leader says it's Hillary. It's Hillary. Donald Trump shocks the world in that case. Then we come four years ahead of that. Fast forward to 2020. This time the dear leader says to Democrat, hey, you've got to step aside. Uh, I've decided it's Joe Biden. He is the perfect puppet. And in fact, I'll go on. I'll go on the funny man show and say, say it outright. Yeah, I'm going to really enjoy running the show from the basement and just joke about it. Funny, funny, ha ha. And that's what's ha that's what's happening. So now, I mean, now the puppet is 81 years old and senile on top of that, as Tucker said yesterday. And yet he says he's running again. He says that evidently he wants five more years. I mean, the year that's remaining and then four more on top of that. And nobody wants that. Not even people in the Bronx. This is from the Examiner. Democrats are stuck between a rock and a hard place when it comes to President Joe Biden as growing concerns over his age and polling numbers are still regarded as insufficient to warrant a plan B for the 2024 election. 
I mean, just think, again, they had all the cheating apparatus in place in 2020, but at that time, I mean, at least, at least the basement candidate was polling, you know, pretty close to Trump. A lot of polls had Biden a little, a little bit ahead. And a lot of those polls are fake and, and they're skewed because they're run by left-wing organizations. But today, you can go to RealClear and just see one poll after another after another. Donald Trump's destroying the Republican field, and he's destroying Biden in a general election, too, according to the polls, even if they are more left-wing. What does that tell you? It says here, at age 81, Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history, despite physicians attesting to his well-being, right? A string of incidents, including trips and falls and malapropisms, wow. I'll leave it to you. I had to look it up, so I'm not ashamed to admit. You'll have to look that up on your own. It says here, and losing his train of thought have caused two-thirds of his own party to believe that he is too old to remain in the White House. Polling numbers in key battleground states have found former President Donald Trump leading Biden in most of them, causing a divide among Democrats between those who have no concerns about their chances to defeat Trump and those who say... There's no other option than Biden. Well, we just don't have any other choices. Or if there are choices, like Gavin Newsom, uh, there's, there's Democrats out there saying, you know, come on, come on already. Let's throw him under the bus, the fake president, and get somebody else in there. Hasn't happened. It still could. It, it may very well happen. It may be at the last minute because, as I say, the, I said it yesterday, the, the Democrats have an aversion to, you know, actual Democratic elections. They may install their preferred candidate. The dear leader may call the shot on that. He's done it before. But they're, they're in a difficult position. It says here, Democrats could decide to pick another nominee during the convention in August, but that nominee may not have the same chances of success as Biden. There is no plan B. So what are they doing? Well, who knows what, what the dear leader the mastermind behind this communist attack. Who knows what he's doing behind closed doors? I mean, they've already proven that there were, they had the soldiers ready to take to the streets in 2020 in case they couldn't pull off the steel. But look at what they were, they were doing in the summer of 2020. They have already showed that they are willing to carry out violent acts to burn down cities if they have to, to get what they want. Maybe that's what the dear leader wants. Maybe he's already rolling up his sleeve for the violent overthrow that we know ultimately comes from this communist infiltration, this communist takeover. Herbert Armstrong explained that perfectly, I mean masterfully, in this little brochure, in the chapter specifically where it talks about the communist invasion of the United States. It's just, it's all coming back to 2024, the, the war in 24, ready for war, January issue, Trumpet Magazine. If you don't have a subscription, make sure that you call our operators and order your free one-year subscription. No cost, no obligation. The 800 number, it's 1-866-930-3024. I've got some, uh, some pretty important information, too, on Joe Bama. Uh, just turning on Israel and this report that Israeli authorities had 
the Hamas battle plans basically for a year, but they just kind of dismissed it, thinking that well, they don't have the they don't have all of the you know the skill and the equipment and the training to carry out something that horrific. And sure enough, uh, they did. And then you've got you know Scarborough and. Well, maybe I can at least play that uh, clip from Scarborough as they talk about uh, the funding, you know, and what Blinken said. You can read about this in Richard Palmer's uh, trumpet brief from this morning, how that Blinken there is in Israel, or at least telling the Israeli authorities, look, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't need to go into southern Gaza the way that you did into the northern part. You got to dial it back. I forget the word that he used uh, specifically. See if I can find it. We'll go ahead and play the Scarborough uh, clip. That's number five. Israel needs U.S. funding. We need to know what we're funding. Are we funding Benjamin Netanyahu? Are we funding his designs to stay in power? So, okay, well, is this for the, in the best interest of the Israeli people? Or is it this in the best interest of a prime minister who deliberately focused on the West Bank, deliberately turned a blind eye to this plan for a year, a year where it's specifically laid out. So I'm not so sure that Congress and the president want to approve even more money for Israel until we know that there's actually somebody running Israel that even the Israelis support. The Israelis don't trust Benjamin Netanyahu. The region doesn't trust Benjamin Netanyahu. Political leaders in the United States don't trust Benjamin Netanyahu. So there's not um, so the level of negligence here, exposed by the New York Times. They knew they knew the intelligence. They just clearly didn't believe that uh, Hamas was capable of doing this operation, Jericho walls. And even before these revelations, the trust level of the Israeli public in Netanyahu had dropped to single digits. This is a wartime leader who's getting 4% public trust. He has no credibility as a war leader. Even his supporters understand his culpability, his negligence, and the element of design. Again, they, again, has, I, I, again like, we have to be clear here. It's not that they weren't taking it seriously. It's that they were focused on the West Bank for Netanyahu's yes. political survival because he has three indictments and he has to stay in power or he goes to jail. Barack Obama can, can truly politicize anything. Well, what a time to pull the rug out from underneath Benjamin Netanyahu to say that, you know what, we really don't think they should get the funding to support this war, to eliminate Hamas, because if it helps, if it helps Netanyahu, you know, well, why should we? That word, the Israeli defense minister, he told Antony Blinken, the entire Israeli society is united behind the goal of dismantling Hamas, even if it takes months. And Blinken replied, I don't think you have the credit for that. I don't think you're going to have the funding or the support for that. That's Blinken basically intimidating Israel into inaction. Or that's the goal coming from Joe Obama. Here's Barack Obama bending the knee before the mullahs. This is, what, uh, this is what Iran wants. Yeah, they ordered the attack. And now they're ordering, they're ordering for Hamas to survive the counteroffensive. Israel's retaliation. They want to keep their terrorist proxy in, uh, intact. 
And, and it looks like they'll probably get away with it unless Israel just goes alone. America's, America's most important ally in the Middle East, supposedly. But just like, uh, just like during the first and second term of the dear leader, here again, Israel gets thrown under the bus. We're not even two months removed from this horrific attack on southern Israel. And already you've got Blinken over there saying, you better not. You better not. We need to continue with this ceasefire. And of course, Hamas, they know how to manipulate the regime media and Barack Obama and his administration. Of course, it's not even manipulation in that sense, because Obama is on their side. Obama is on the side of the mullahs. And you can see it in the fruits if you're just willing to scratch a little bit beneath the surface. We will forego the promo that we typically play here at the end of the first segment because we do have about a three-minute uh, World Watch segment that I want to get back into our Friday programming. So we'll go right from this, the end of this segment, into World Watch and then come back for the Bible study segment to finish off today's program. Here's the, uh, the World Watch segment. North Korea and South Korea moved forces to their shared border on November 27th, following the North's withdrawal from the Panmunjom Declaration. The 2018 declaration required both nations to make joint efforts to defuse the acute military tensions and to substantially remove the danger of a war on the Korean peninsula. North Korea pulled out of the agreement after breaking it on November 21st by launching a reconnaissance satellite into orbit. North Korean state media claims the satellite took photos of the United States White House, Pentagon, U.S. bases in Guam, and U.S. aircraft carriers at the naval base of Norfolk, but these claims have not been confirmed. Any power North Korea has is the result of Russian or Chinese backing. In this case, it is likely that Russia supplied the technology used in North Korea's new satellite. To learn more about the prophesied relationship between these Asian nations, read Russia and China in Prophecy. Iran-backed Houthi rebels fired two ballistic missiles at a United States Navy destroyer off the coast of Yemen early Monday morning. On Sunday, just hours before the missiles were launched, the USS Mason responded to a distress call from an Israel-linked commercial tanker in the Gulf of Aden that was under attack from an unknown entity. After the USS Mason rescued the tanker and captured the attackers, two ballistic missiles were fired from Houthi-controlled Yemen and landed near the USS Mason. Both missiles fell 10 nautical miles short of the destroyer and landed in the water. Incidents like this have been occurring more frequently since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. As tensions rise in the Middle East, Yemen is certain to play a major role going forward because of its internationally strategic location. To learn more about Yemen's role in end-time prophecy, read Iran Gets a Stranglehold on the Middle East. Dutch fringe-right politician Heert Wilders shocked Europe with his victory in the Dutch elections on November 22nd, winning 37 out of the 150 seats. He lacks a majority to govern on his own, so complex coalition negotiations will determine the next prime minister. Wilders rose to fame for confronting Islam in the 2000s. He said he wanted the Netherlands to be free of Islamic schools, Qurans, and mosques. 
He wants a Brexit-style referendum on the Netherlands' membership in the European Union, an end to Dutch aid to Ukraine, and a reversal of Dutch climate change policies. His victory is a massive rebuke to the EU's often left-wing agenda, but his path to prime minister is not guaranteed until the coalition negotiations are completed. Whichever way this situation goes, Wilder's victory exemplifies a dilemma many European countries will soon face. As migrants continue to flood European countries, Europeans are beginning to support parties that promote anti-migrant policies. The Trumpet has been forecasting this sea change in European politics for decades based on Bible prophecy. To learn more, read Europe's Altered Personality. To learn more about current world news and how it relates to Bible prophecy, please visit thetrumpet.com. There you have it, this week's uh, segment uh, for World Watch, the Friday segment that we'll try to return to from here on out. We've been talking this week about God's family, the true gospel that Jesus Christ proclaimed, and we've been highlighting some of the, the verses in Paul's uh, letter to the, the church at Ephesus, the book of, uh, of Ephesians. And we made it to Ephesians 3 and uh, verse 15 last time. And I'll just re reread these two verses. Paul here, describing this mystery that's being revealed. He says in verse 14 of chapter 3, For this cause, this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a, there's a, a, a comma there, so the thought continues. It says, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The God family name. The God household. To go back to the end of Ephesians 2. What is it that, is, <laughs> that, that, that occupies a house or a home? Well, that would be the family. In this case, God's family. Verse 16 continues. It says that, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, uh, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height. My father's written before how the, the, there's no deeper subject in the Bible than the God family vision. And yet, as 2 Corinthians 4 says, Satan has blinded the minds of men to this awesome truth, to this spectacular revelation. Verse 19, it says, And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. To be filled with Christ. To be filled with God, His Spirit. Verse 20 says, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that, that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, all of this power made available. Again, a comma. The thought continues, Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. What a hope-filled vision. Words of encouragement and hope. If you're feeling a little bit down, go through Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. I mean, I don't want to forget about chapter 2. That's a wonderful chapter as well. But these opening chapters of the book of Ephesians, Mr. Armstrong said about Ephesians 1 that it was perhaps the most inspiring chapter in the Bible. He read from it from the Moffat translation, and that's what he suggested you do. Read through it. 
See about this purpose, this plan, this mystery that's been hid from ages. Notice verse 5, or sorry, chapter 5. We sometimes call this the marriage chapter, and for good reason. You look at what's in the last half of this this chapter. Paul says in uh, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. That's not a very popular message in our modern world. There's lots of people, even in the traditional Christian world, that would just scoff at this. Or maybe say, you know, Paul, for as much as I like his writings, for the most part, you know, he seems like he kind of hated women. Or it seems like he kind of put down women. Or why did he have to be so strong about, you know, uh, homosexuality and, and, and God's view of it in, uh, in Romans 1? Well, this is God's word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, but it's also profitable for reproof, for instruction, for correction. The, the idea here is not for us to open up the Bible and then to sort of put our thoughts and ideas into it as to what we think it means. No, no, God wants for us to open up the Bible and to accept the truth of the Bible and live by it. Or if it exposes flaws and weaknesses, sins, to change it, to overcome it, to repent, to turn to God in humble repentance. It says, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot, wrinkle, blemish. Down in verse 31, notice this. Paul brings it right to his powerful and profound concluding, concluding remarks. He says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's really what I'm getting at here, is the spiritual marriage between Christ and the church. Were it not for, as Herbert Armstrong so often said, were it not for marriage and family on the God level, God never would have instituted. He never would have instituted marriage or family on the physical level. This life is a training ground. God is preparing us for marriage to Jesus Christ. He's preparing us for family living in the God realm, in the Godhead, the God family vision. It says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That's, uh, that's verse 33. And then, really, there should be no chapter break. Notice what what Paul goes on and talks about at the start of chapter 6. Verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is of God. God is the one who authored the bridge commandment, the fifth commandment. Children, obey. I mean, this is the first commandment with promise. This is how you live a long life, a long, productive, fruitful life. As I was saying in doctrines this morning, what a blessing to be able to live out our physical lives and to to know these laws of God and to be able to put them into practice and to read over and again in the Bible that that, uh, we actually will reap what we sow. The, The Bible talks about the fruit of your doings. What is the fruit that your life is bringing forth? The whole world's about to have their opportunity to come underneath God's judgment, a judgment period where they can be 
taught the truth of God and put it into practice in their lives. What a blessing and privilege to be able to do that now. It's not easy. We're going against the devil's influence. The devil's constantly attacking God's law and God himself. He's undermining the institutions of marriage and family. He's conspiring against the role of the father and the mother. And we have to actively fight and resist against that. With God's help and power, draw near to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. And and the devil will flee from you. That's what the Bible assures us. When children disobey, I mean, things break down. If that happens, they should be corrected in love, just like God corrects his children. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That's a wonderful thing when you see children, little children, honoring their parents and being blessed because of it. And the parents too. Verse uh, 4, Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the eternal. Bring them to maturity. The proverb says, train them up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. They need training. They need education. education. They need discipline. Nurture here means, means tutorage, instruction, education, or training. And then that word admonition in the King James, it can refer to intellect, understanding, mind, thought, feeling, or will. I mean, that's quite a responsibility that God's put on the shoulders of parents. This is how far we need to be willing to go to to preserve, to protect the family, the institution of family. And to the extent that we do that, I mean, just think of the, the powerful lessons, the depth of our understanding with respect to the spiritual family, the coming marriage between Jesus Christ and the church, and all of the billions and billions of children that are going to come out from that marital union. That's all we have time for, unfortunately, on today's show. The fastest moving hour in, in broadcasting. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. We, we appreciate you, you joining us all week, and we will see you next week.